When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm really at a point where we're getting very close to having the cabinet and other things that I want. What is most important is to ensure an orderly and smooth transition. I think Rex will be much happier now. He fell out with Trump by being on the opposite side of Trump on just about every policy issue you can think of. I'll now return to private life, private citizen, as a proud American proud of the opportunity I've had to serve my country. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who can't bring himself to say you're fired, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Instead, he just announces your replacement on Twitter. Here's how the New York Times described today's long-anticipated Rexit. Mr. Tillerson learned he had been fired on Tuesday morning when a top aide showed him a tweet from Mr. Trump announcing the change according to a senior State Department official. But he had gotten an oblique warning of what was coming the previous Friday from the White House Chief of Staff John F. Kelly, who called to tell him to cut short a trip to Africa and advised him, you may get a tweet. Which is not to say that Trump was not gracious in thanking Rex Tillerson for his service. His tweet included the thoughtful comment, thank you to Rex Tillerson for his service, with an exclamation point even. How nice is that? Really, thank you to Rex. You. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, guy who called me a moron. At this point, working in the Trump administration has become one of the all-time classic short-stint jobs. Others include, of course, Prime Minister of Italy, where occupants have lasted for as little as 15 days. The danger there is frequent government collapse. Another is Al-Qaeda number two. There the hazard is drone strikes. Another is ex-Russian spy living in London, where the issue is exotic toxins. For the Trump cabinet, the risk comes from social media and the constant need to change the subject from Russia, from Stormy Daniels, from Jared or whatever. Welcome to your new office, Mr. Pompeo. Don't get too comfortable. Joining me on the line from Washington to discuss the day's developments is Susan Glasser. She's the chief international affairs columnist for Politico and host of the Global Politico podcast. Susan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So what's your gut instinct here? Was this personal or policy? The stories that have come out today have cited a lot of issues on which Trump and Tillerson had differences, and I'm, I'm sure they did, but they also just didn't seem to like each other very much. Why do you think he got fired? Uh, you know, there's a short answer to your question, Jacob. Yes. <laughs> yes, there were policy differences, and yes, there were personal differences, all of the above. Uh, this has been really a troubled, dysfunctional relationship, if not from the very beginning, almost from the very beginning. Uh, and for months, as you know, the question of 
Rex Tillerson has been when he would leave the Trump administration and not if. He was terminated in a way that seemed maximally insulting and hurtful. Do you, you think know, that's been the interesting thing about Trump and Tillerson for months now, right? That Trump, who obviously has a well known penchant for wanting to sort of humiliate and undercut his aides, has had a particular fetish about Tillerson, right? He has seemed uh, wherever possible to want to maximally humiliate him, constantly tweeting things that are in contradiction to things that Tillerson has just said and done, and, you know, making it clear as he can for for months now that Rex Tillerson did not speak for the United States when it came to foreign policy. And is that just because Tillerson called him a moron and that got reported, or does it go back to before that? Well, first of all, he called him a bleeping moron. A fucking uh, moron. We can say that on this show. Oh, we're allowed to say that. Excellent. Um, no, he, he, it goes back before that. You know, the first uh, Trump tweets were undercutting Tillerson on North Korea came before that was publicly reported by NBC in early October, although I, I do agree with you that you know, really ever since then is when it was 100% clear that Tillerson was kind of dead man walking in this job. But, you know, I asked a lot of people over the last few months, you know, to help understand and explain what was going on with this particularly troubled dynamic between Tillerson and Trump. And actually, most of them did kind of revert to the simplest explanation being the explanation, which is that Rex Tillerson, unlike a lot of the yes men around him that Donald Trump seems to favor, uh, stood up to the guy over and over again. So was it a particular policy disagreement? I doubt it. Was it the overall sense of an advisor who was too independent-minded for him? Uh, I think that probably was a key part of it for Donald Trump, who, as you know, is, is fairly obsessed with loyalty. I mean, if you want to get into policy differences, some of them are pretty iffy. There was presumably a thought to be a policy difference on North Korea, but that policy difference is one in which Donald Trump has now taken the position that he was mad at Rex Tillerson for pursuing and taken it in spades, i.e. he made fun of Rex Tillerson. He attacked him for trying to have an opening to communicate with North Korea. And now he, well, he's going to talk directly to Kim Jong-un himself. Uh, well, it's an interesting point, Jacob, although actually I would say, uh, although he wasn't consulted, as everyone now knows, uh, on the decision to have the summit meeting with North Korea, my guess is that actually Tillerson, like uh, most of Trump's advisors, would have told him not to agree to this risky summit with North Korea without any prior uh, negotiations and talks underway. So in, in a sense, I'm sure there would have been a tactical disagreement over the North Korea summit in addition to, you know, the overall approach of diplomacy, uh, which is clearly one that Tillerson came to favor in most of these areas, is just one that, that Donald Trump actually is not comfortable with. So I actually do think there's a pretty fundamental disagreement with the two uh, that has to do with the role of allies, partnerships, and, uh, uh, you know, sort of careful strategic foreign policy in the world. Uh, Till, you know, Tillerson was for all those things, and Trump was against them. Tillerson yeah. basically bought into the American foreign policy consensus that, that it roughly exists in both Republican and Democratic parties, uh, which is not to say that, you know, he might not disagree with a lot of Democrats on certain things or that he might, um, you know, actually agree with Trump uh, and his criticisms of some policy areas. But basically, Tillerson is a pretty cautious pretty establishment guy. And over and over again, he recommended, along with Jim Mattis, the defense secretary, policy proposals that um, 
Trump simply ignored, whether it was decertifying the Iran deal, pulling out of the global climate accord, moving unilaterally recognizing uh, Jerusalem as Israel's capital and moving the embassy there. On all of those issues, Tillerson and Mattis, by the way, not only were against Trump, but it was clear publicly that they were against Trump, and he overruled them anyways. And those are, to me, actually significant disagreements. But it's pretty funny to think about Tillerson as a voice of diplomacy or of the foreign policy <laughs> establishment, because he was a kind of wrecking ball at the State Department, wasn't he? I mean, the place was falling apart. People, dip, career diplomats were leaving in droves. I mean, they thought he was trying to destroy the place. Absolutely. that, And that, in the end, by the way, is what Tillerson will probably be remembered for. Uh, that was what uh, someone who is, by the way, been a friend and promoter of his said to me today when when we talked, uh, you know, the dysfunction and utter demoralization of the State Department under Tillerson is something that really falls on Tillerson's ledger much more so than Trump's. And in fact, you know, the the political stupidity of it is what I keep marveling at. Uh, you know, these are the people who were supposed to be on his team, uh, and he didn't seem to understand uh, who his team was in Washington, <laughs> uh, and he alienated the very people who, you know, that's what they do at the State Department. They're used to following along uh, the secretary and changing policies with administrations, but, uh, you know, they've never had their own leader go to war against them in, in quite this way. So he will not be remembered as a successful Secretary of State. I happen to know that you're working on a biography of James Baker, someone who is remembered uh, I think generally as an effective Secretary of State under Ronald Reagan. What's the difference between an effective Secretary of State like James Baker and an ineffectual one like Rex Tillerson? Well, you know, I think the first thing that Jim Baker said to me when I met him was, you know, you never get between, nothing ever got between me and my president when I was Secretary of State, and everybody knew it. Now, of course, Jim Baker had the unique advantage of having been George H.W. Bush's best friend, uh, and, uh, you know, his closest political partner over decades. Although and that so, could have been a disadvantage with Ronald Reagan, right? I mean, that, that it, was, it was Baker's charm and savvy that let him leverage that into a good relationship with Ronald Reagan and Nancy absolutely, Reagan. Absolutely, absolutely. You can't just say it was that. But, but I think the lesson applies, certainly, because we see what happens with Rex Tillerson and the consequences of somebody who has basically no relationship with the president. That is not a recipe for success in any Secretary of State. And Tillerson compounded it, I think, by just absolutely disdaining the expertise and professionalism of those around him and bringing uh, a businessman outsider's uh, disdain for Washington bureaucracy to one of uh, the biggest Washington bureaucracies that there is. And, you know, in the end, uh, which one was fatal? I, I do believe the relationship with the president uh, is ultimately. Uh, uh, what determines the success or lack thereof of a secretary. For example, Colin Powell was very popular inside the State Department building. Uh, but, uh, you know, as you know, he, he had not a real working relationship with President George W. Bush uh, by the end of his tenure. And I think that, in the end, is why he's not remembered as a particularly successful Secretary of State, even though he was a legendary figure uh, in American policy over decades. And I think, conversely, Condoleezza Rice you know, was more successful with the State Department, even though she was viewed more suspiciously in some ways by the bureaucracy, because she was George W. Bush's closest uh, partner and advisor on foreign policy. 
I mean, if you're a conscientious career diplomat, you have a choice. You can say, I work for the president, or you can say, I really work for the secretary of state. And you can choose whichever one you like better. Um, but Rex Tillerson didn't really create an opportunity for people, the State Department, to say, well, I'm just a part of this organization outside of the Trump administration. I'm a professional doing a professional job for the United States. Well, there wasn't any space for that. Uh, one of the problems is uh, that everybody knew there was this distance between uh, the president and the White House and the State Department. So it was clear that if one of the key jobs of the Secretary of State is to speak for the country around the world uh, and to speak for the president, uh, he never had that credibility. And that meant that all those uh, experts and all the ambassadors and the assistant secretaries didn't have that credibility either. Uh, I just heard, you know, a story the other day about uh, negotiations with uh, senior Europeans on the Iran deal, which, as you know, President Trump is threatened to blow up by May unless the Europeans <laughs> agree on a tough new uh, program of uh, threats and uh, sanctions against Iran on some of its other aspects of its program, like ballistic missiles. And the Europeans were negotiating with a very senior State Department official. And I heard a report from, from a couple of them that it had gone very well, and they were feeling like there might actually be some room to agree on. The only problem was, at the end of the meeting, nobody knew whether the State Department official spoke for the White House and whether it was, therefore, a complete waste of time or not. Rex Tillerson ran what was not that long ago the biggest private corporation, I think, in the world, ExxonMobil. I mean, mm -hmm. he is no stranger to vast organizations and vast bureaucracies. Why couldn't he make the transition to running a public sector one? I really wonder what you think about this. I mean, we've seen this fail badly and we've seen it succeed. Perhaps you could say in the case of Michael Bloomberg, who went over to run you know, the New York City bureaucracy, which is uh, more challenging in many ways than the State Department. Why is it so hard for Rex Tillerson to go from running one big thing to running another big thing? You know, that's going to be one of the enduring mysteries of this. Uh, you know, I've asked a lot of people this, uh, obviously, over the last year. And, you know, mostly what comes back is that it really seems to have to do with who Rex Tillerson is. He spent his entire career at ExxonMobil, which is a famously insular company. He is an engineer by training, almost the polar opposite in many ways of Donald Trump, but personality-wise, he's an introvert. He's an extreme introvert. And that is how some of his staff took to explaining the dilemma of why Rex Tillerson had such a hard time. Uh, he, there's a story uh, that uh, one of his advisors liked to tell when people asked, you know, why was it working out like this? that when he was CEO of Exxon, Tillerson would fly around the world from country to country in these meetings, right? It's a very global job, and he had his own plane. And often he would go even without a single advisor along with him and just a flight attendant. And then one day he realized he could even get rid of the flight attendant and just fly around <laughs> the world with the pilot and have the pilot bring him a sandwich. And, you know, that's a pretty revealing story. It's like, uh, yes, the Charles Lindbergh approach. He's a loner. I mean, one is one is tempted to sympathize with anybody who gets bullied by Donald Trump. But Tillerson makes it impossible because at the end of the day, he didn't stick up for American values as secretary of state. He didn't care about human rights. He wouldn't talk about human rights. He wouldn't raise it. And I don't think he can say that the White House stopped him from doing that. Uh, well, that's exactly right. I mean, look, there was never going to be a Trump administration foreign policy that 
was focused on democracy and human rights. So you could argue that it didn't matter that uh, Tillerson didn't take a stand on that particular issue uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, it, it really is in the end all about Donald Trump. And Donald Trump just couldn't stomach the idea of somebody who disagreed with him and who was perceived by the world to be speaking for him. Uh, as Trump has always said, nobody speaks for me but me. And in that sense, I think the perfect representation of Trump's version of diplomacy is the idea that he's going to overrule his advisors and shock the world and make an impromptu decision to meet with uh, the North Korean dictator, uh, probably the, the world's most uh, human rights abusing leader, and do it on the spur of the moment. That's Donald Trump's foreign policy. That's his diplomacy. And he doesn't want or need a guy like Rex Tillerson to carry it out. In uh, what I think was pretty much his last statement, uh, Rex Tillerson acknowledged the obvious thing that Donald Trump and his spokespeople are now evading about this uh, nerve gas attack on the former uh, Russian spy in London. Tillerson said Russia was obviously the prime suspect in the in the attack. Was that a parting shot against Donald Trump or did they just catch him in a candid moment telling the truth? <laughs> Could have been both. Uh, it's really hard to say. Uh, the reports are still emerging on this, but it seems clear that while Tillerson knew he was in trouble, he did receive a phone call or two from uh, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly while he was traveling in Africa. Uh, that he said, come back early, come home early. <laughs> That's exactly right. But that he genuinely didn't understand that this was the moment he was being fired. And so in that sense, he probably was just saying what he really thought about Russia. So well, 15 months is, you know, in Trump terms, that's in Trump years. That's like serving eight years in another administration. What's well, uh, That's right. He's <laughs> not even the first uh, senior official to be fire, fired by tweet. Uh, you know, it was uh, Trump's first White House chief of staff, Ryan Priebus, who has that honor. Yes, indeed. So how about the uh, successor? Uh, Trump is, has named Mike Pompeo, the CIA head. First of all, do you think he's going to have any trouble getting confirmed as secretary of state? And second of all, if he does, how long do you think he'll be there? Well, I think he is likely to be confirmed. There could be more controversy over the uh, nominee to replace him at the CIA. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing about Pompeo is that, frankly, in any other administration, there would probably be a, a full-fledged uproar over Pompeo, who is uh, a very, not only a very hawkish uh, uh, former member of Congress, but I think uh, in the past might have been even been perceived as a dangerously hawkish type uh, Republican to place in such a position. Now, I think there will be such a sense of relief, even <laughs> potentially, they, though they might not admit it publicly, for some Democrats who, who think at least it will be better to have a Secretary of State with whom the President has a relationship and who might actually be able to talk to him with some credibility and get President Trump to listen to him. And, you know, compared to some talking head Trump sees on Fox and appoints to a top job, someone who's actually been a congressman, even if he was a kind of Tea Party Yahoo, counts as, as relatively experienced. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go overboard with that one, Jacob. <laughs> There's some congressmen, uh, you know, who could uh, go toe-to-toe with Fox. That, that's true. That's not, that's not much of a border. There's a, the revolving door between those, two, between those two functions. No, but look, Mike Pompeo clearly is a pretty smart guy. He's, uh, I think, done a pretty good job uh, uh, of easing 
nerves at the CIA. Remember, Donald Trump has, you know, publicly attacked the intelligence community over and over again, and yet Pompeo's found a way to thread the needle so that the staff is not in uproar uh, and revolt against him or blaming him for Trump's attacks on the intelligence community. So that speaks to a certain deafness of him as a politician. And he'll do a good job slobbering over the president when they have those cabinet meetings where they go around the table and talk about how, how much they love the king. Well, clearly he has found a way to make Trump comfortable with him because by many accounts he's been personally uh, uh, undertaking the presidential daily brief uh, and coming to the White House as often as six days a week to do so. I've been speaking to Susan Glasser from Politico. You can read her story on the Tillerson firing or Rexit as we call it here. It's up now. Susan, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast was produced under considerable time pressure today by Jason DeLeon. Are you following us on Twitter? It would make him happy after a hard day. We're at Real Trumpcast. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.